Beverly well. Hills 90210 fans, it's now time to dive deep into an episode-by-episode, character-by-character, song-by-song account of the making of your favorite zip code with your host, Charles Rosen. I sit in the chair. It's one of Sandy's antiques. The whole thing breaks. Larry Mullen. Houston, I shouldn't be even in this show. I hope they're going to kill him, and they did. Pete Ferrero. Up my like TV crush is Claire Arnold. So I mean, she has to come on the show at this and point. And representing the fans, Lily Amaral. And I love you. I have dreamt about you. What? I... Along with many special guests and your questions. So sit back and relax because it's like totally time for the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Okay, we have everybody here, um, and it's exciting to be back for another episode of the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. We are really testing the StreamYard system here with all the people that we have in the room. <laughs> um, right off the bat, I want to let Dina Cuomo, uh, who won a contest, pop in and ask us some questions. She won a contest to join us because she subscribed to us on YouTube, which you all should be doing. Uh, so, Dina, I'm going to turn the show over to you, let you ask whatever you want to ask, and then uh, we'll say goodbye, and then we'll get to our other stuff. So, Dina, what you got for us? Okay, so I have two questions. One is a Brenda question. I know this episode is not Brenda, but I have a Brenda question and a new evolution question that I guess. Both are all legal here. Okay. Okay. Can I start with Brenda? Because I've wanted to know this for 30 years. This is a very attention to detail question. Okay, in Brenda's bedroom, um, above her dresser, there's a collage of pictures. And starting in season one, you, you'll see a picture of Kelly up there and when she starts dating Dylan, you see Dylan. But then you see a lot of random people in the picture frame. So I was always curious if that was like writers or backstage help. You know, I don't know the answer to that, but um, someone in the like double up community is, um, is was head of set deck. And she was set decorations. And she did that for the entire run of the series. So I'm going to put you two. Her name is Jill Hankel. She's a very nice person. I'll put you two together, and she'll answer that. And uh, and um, you'll know before any of us. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I've always been scared at her. I never noticed that. I never noticed that. Chuck, did you notice that ever in your? Oh, yeah, sure. I was laser focused on that one. Where's my picture? Does that mean they don't like me? Where is my picture? It's just always something I was curious about. All right. Dina, what's your new new evolution question, which we okay, can't dive into today? Yeah. So my new evolution question: um, Were the writers of these Professor Finley episodes um, trying to like exacerbate Kelly's insecurities and vulnerabilities that we've seen exhibited since season one, or was the writers just kind of revisiting main characters um, having a crush on their teacher that we saw since season one? Okay. Oh, no, no. I, I was going to just let Chip answer this because this is, he created this, he came with the language and everything. But, the you know, the boy meet, this this one, we were able to dive a little deeper into 
motivations. We knew these characters better and this framework of how we came together. So it was more, so much more than a crush in my world. I don't know how you feel, Chip. Yeah, I totally agree. And we'll get into the specifics of that thing later on and where some of the little details right. came from. But, you know, I hadn't watched this in a long, 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 long time. And there was a there was an idea in this is kind of from the writer's room kind of thing. There was a thing at Beverly Hills 90210 that came from Chuck. And it was called Fuller, Deeper, Richer, FDR. I don't know if everybody called it the Roosevelt process for that reason, but I did. <laughs> so when I look at something in Sweating It Out, where she says, where, the, where Alan's behind her saying, we want one moment of clarity here. And she tells this to me um, after 30 years, like not seeing this. Jenny Garth saying, "I, you know, I wanted the other girl to die. I, mm. want, I need to change my life. That's like an FDR moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we're we're going for through this whole thing. All right, Dina. So you got your couple questions in. Thank, Thank you for so joining much. us. And uh, say hi to the governor. <laughs> yeah, I will say hi to the governor for sure. Thank you again for changing my world. You got it. And thanks for keep watching. And, and All right, keep I'm going to go watch live. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you, Dina. Bye, Dina. Oh, okay, wait. First off, let me show you this, guys. By the way, uh, Chip, I am wearing a uh, "Made the Bridges That Burn Light the Way" shirt for you. So wow. that's Thanks. that's a cool one. And then we, <laughs> had, we just had this one. Uh, we just had this one made. I'm excited to share this with everybody because of. Chip. So we have a uh, a new evolution <laughs> T-shirt. And then if you dig deeper into this new evolution thing, it says negators and externs do not apply. So and there's got uh, nice. some of these glasses here and whatnot. Yeah. That is on that is on the store right now. At Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero showshop.com. I'm going to mute Alan's mic as he's moving around the world there. And uh, all right, so let's let's dive into this, Chuck. Let's well, first of all, how's everybody doing? Uh, Chip, are you, how how is everything in your world since we last spoke? Everything's okay. I just went uh, went out for a little walk. There seem to be more people around in Palisades Village. Yeah, wearing masks. Yeah, there were people were wearing masks. I wasn't wearing one for a while. They looked kind of miff- miffed at me, so I put it on. And for uh, Chuck, how's everything on your end? All well, the- good, good. We we we're, we're we're starting to get ready for a getaway. Um, we're going to spend next week in Ma- in Mammoth Mountain. Right. Um, no skiing, but you know, there'll be, uh, it should be beautiful up there. And, uh, uh, it's really a way, uh, for my kids to get Karen and I to be full-time babysitters. And, uh, you know, here we are. And so I'm going to be really thankful to get a little, uh, I get a break next weekend, yes. uh, next Wednesday. And, uh, so I'll be thinking of all of you. Uh, yeah. there. So Chuck will not be no. with us next week, but Larry and I are going to be here. And Larry, I'm going to ask you how you're doing in a second. But uh, Larry and I are talking uh, season six. We're going. We're going to uh, run for the roses, right? We're going to wow. talk uh, rose, rose queen. queen, rose, rose queen. queen. Yep, rose Right, and Larry's going to explain how the rose queen from Pasadena lives in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Uh, you know, the tournament house rules were very clear. We checked them out. We was totally sanctified by the tournament house, Chuck. I they were part. They were part of it. This is a deeply researched show. Yeah, everything. It was, was well, no, they had to be part of it. They, uh, you know, they yeah, gave us a sure. dispensation. Yeah. A dispensation. It's kind of like an Andrea Zuckerman going to Beverly Hills High School. 
Larry, how is everything in, 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 in your world now? Like, I know you're on the East Coast. How oh, is that treating you? You know, it's a lot, a little bit more relaxed uh, than I think in L.A. People see, but people wear the masks and stuff, but uh, it's been good. You know, I've been, you know, clamming and fishing and uh, doing the, what I do here. So right. it's been, uh, I've been very grateful to do that and I've been productive and doing my little projects and, uh, and doing this, you know, going through the shows was always a revelation and, I got just to look at all the episodes, and uh, there's some really fine work. And oh. I did. I did compile a glossary of New Evolution words. Just oh, when I we need them. I, I have the full glossary. There are not just external. There is limiter. There's pathfinder. There's other little keywords that were wonderful. I remember we, we would run back and forth between the room and try to crack each other up, Chip. Remember this? Yeah. You know, I do remember though that Professor okay. Finley, Professor Finley was a professor at Harvard when I got there. He was like this beloved old professor who um, filled up Memorial Hall. He taught a classics class, so he was named after oh, John a real Finley. professor. Now became Patrick Finley or something, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Lily, how's everything in the in the groups and in the world? This is a very busy show today. A lot of moving parts here, so. Yeah, we're good. Everyone's good. They're all here tuning in and ready to evolve. <laughs> I love that. Well, but Chuck, you've been very busy, by the way, uh, securing some things for August. I think we should tell some people, some people are going to be joining us in August. I'm not going to say the dates and whatnot, but uh, you've been busy at securing some people, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy we got, we have, uh, um, you know, uh, you have actors and directors. The yes. Two directors, probably a lot of directors who meant a lot, but Dan Adius and Bethany Rooney are like a one-two punch. You look all the one you fans out there. Look at the episodes they directed. Yeah, still want to hear them. And then uh, Mr. Priestley well, is coming on. And we have this guy coming, right? On. Jason Priestley is going to join us in August, so that's pretty exciting. And then. I, uh, Gabrielle. Gabrielle's coming. Gabrielle. Yeah. Adam President. Oh, that's a punk Gabrielle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so that'll, so that'll be a really great month in August. So uh, yeah, some great directors. And, and we're going to vamp on this episode until then, I think. You know, you know, Professor Finley was a psychology professor. And I'm not like an IT say, guy. He was a psychology professor. And I would like to say that I thought my crowning achievement of going through college, both the University of Wisconsin one year and three years at Berkeley, because I didn't take one psychology class. <laughs> I never did. Me well, neither. What about you, Chip? No, Chip never did either. No way. No um, way. But yeah, it was, it was really fun looking back at these episodes, and I, you know, the commitment of the actors is always great. I really yeah. did think that Jenny uh, really uh, shone in these things and her. Oh, absolutely. oh my God! And of course, um, you know, the context. You know, the interesting thing, it, you know, I, just to say, because fans are listening, even if Alan's not here. So, you know, as Chip knows, because he came to my class, I, I taught for a number of sessions in the writer's program at UCLA. And one of the things I would tell my students is, well, things that you see and happen to you in life, because the world has been created, so you can use them in your stories. And so as a freshman at University of Wisconsin, I saw a tenure fight, the very popular young woman professor who was maligned by the, C the, the, the heads of the department because they didn't believe in feminist literature. And that's what that argument was about in 1970. In 1974, uh, the Reverend Sun Yen Moon and the Moonies came to the United States, was introduced to the United States 
and they were wanting to see could they um, make an imprint. And the place that they chose, what university they chose to infiltrate and come into in mass for some reason was University of California, Berkeley. And I think it's because it would have been the hardest one to do it. But every, I mean, I took late classes and every about five, six o'clock, I would be asked if I'd like to go to a dinner, you know, to the cult. And I know one or two people who went and one just really didn't then come back. So I always stored that in me. The other thing I just want to set up for the context is right from the first season before you guys were there, early on, I think it was David Sten probably just pitching Scientology. We should do Scientology. I went, no, we're not touching Scientology. I want no rats in my car. I don't want that profile. I'm a little scared of those guys. I don't want to touch it. But in the fourth season, if you remember, we, uh, we went to the Scientology Center for a uh, as a location, location scout, where yeah. the um, where where Brandon and, and uh, Claire go on their her high school after the prom or, or yeah. grad night, whatever it was, and uh, so it was like okay, now I'm kind of ready to do this, and who better to hand it off to than you two? Yeah, <laughs> all right, hold yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was, I think it's also because when you go to college, you're also there's a self discovery thing you're doing, and you're questioning yeah. all your things, and. It, had come off the fire here too. There was really a cause and effect. I mean, she was really uh, quite vulnerable, and and that that thing that Chip was referencing about where she she reveals that she wished the other girl would die. I mean, you know, it just shows you the state she's in. And she and so someone like Professor Finley, which you know, we're having a cult on campus. We had already done animal activism. Now we're doing the cult. And, you know, we were just getting the whole college experience basically. <laughs> Alan, before we get started, how is everything with you? We haven't the fans have not seen you in a very long time. How have you been um, since this part? And and how's everything in 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 with you going on these days? Um, well, when I when I got this part, I had pretty much after. 10 years or more of acting uh, decided that we had a baby and I decided that it was probably time for me to uh, start looking for something that was a more secure uh, lifestyle. So my wife had gone back to school at UCLA to get a master's degree in social welfare. And uh, while taking the baby over there, I discovered the School of Urban Planning. So I was actually um, a, a student at UCLA and getting a master's degree in urban planning when this came along. And um, so it was kind of funny to me because a lot of people have asked me uh, um, over the years, you know, like, well, how did that change? Or what, when did you know that this was going to make a difference and so forth? And honestly, it was, it was right about the time that I was in my first year as a master's student and I um, got this part and then also uh, part on In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood. And those two parts, all of a sudden, um, like I would come out of class with a three hour class with a 15 minute coffee break and go across to Laval Commons. And before I could get there, there would be co-eds screaming in recognition, like just screaming, <laughs> like they'd be walking along and they'd see me and they'd start screaming. And I'm like, oh, okay. And um, I just, they, some of them wanted me to come and hang out or, or get autographs or take pictures, but I had 15 minutes to get a cup of coffee and get back to my class, just like they did, really. And so years later, I saw in some Beverly Hills fan club that what a stuck-up snob I was because I wouldn't talk to people and so forth when they saw me at UCLA. And what, what they didn't understand was I was happy to talk to anybody um, 
but not during my 15 minute break to get my cup of coffee to go back to a three hour class. And that, that was kind of an amusing thing. I think it was the first episode aired and then um, nothing. And then the second episode aired and then I was driving along the freeway and I looked to my left and there was a woman pointing and screaming. <laughs> and then I knew like, uh oh. <laughs> and, and from then on it was like, oh my God. Peter, the wonderful thing, which I, I want Alan to talk I'm about right up front, is, is his relationship with Paul Wagner. Because when we were putting this together, Paul came up to us uh, separately together and said, this is who I want to play the part. And he had only done that to me maybe one other time, uh, Larry, it was Jenny O'Hara. So I'm going to listen to him when he tells me, who's a fine actress, by the way, and, yep. and said, you know, I'm going to do the... Uh, this is who's going to do it. And and I went fine. And that's all we needed to know. And then everything else about relative to the disability was then put into it. In other words, it wasn't, we didn't, that's, this came first. Alan was the actor who was cast. Yeah, I see. So Alan, uh, do you recall the, the how did this well, role come to you? Chuck, I didn't hear a word you said, but um, I it wasn't important, Wagner. really. It's just, so if I you got the gig. That's all that matters. He Paul he was speaking was a about great supporter of him. I was talking about Paul Wagner. That, that so why don't you let's talk about Paul, Paul Wagner? Paul was the um, co-executive producer or something on this show, but he had done many shows before. And I, I met Paul back when I think he was working on the Good Time Girls or something, and he became a great supporter of hiring actors with disabilities to not just play roles that are written to be disabled, but any kind of role that might somebody might have in real life. And so I think that, um, uh, let's see who directed the first, it was uh, Brandon directed the first episode. Jason, I think Jason Bruce, he was Canadian and he really wanted, he wanted a, a Canadian actor who's a lovely guy um, in the role. And Paul said, no, I want Alan Toy in the role. And um, now here's the thing, we had been fighting to change the perception of people with disabilities for a number of years and and because we were always being portrayed as mean nasty evil people and so i had played so many golden boys and you know sweet lovable dads and characters and mm. they went that away kind of parts and so forth so i was ready when paul said would you, would you be interested in playing a, a pretty nasty character i was ready to jump right on it and i was delighted to be asked to do that and you know, to be to be honest, the most fun characters are, are the the mean, nasty people. So a lot of the questions that I've seen pop up about this character on on your website uh, were like, "Are you as creepy as you played? And did you feel creepy?" And blah blah blah. And I just watched those five episodes in the last few days, and boy, I was creepy. Yeah. I was just <laughs> I was kind of taken aback at how when you put your hand nasty. on her. Guy, I played, you know, and so and it and I was really trying to just play somebody who was feeling sincerely into whatever the moment was, and you know, yeah, some bit manipulative and all that. But boy, when I looked at those shows again, I, I was what a creep. Yes, yeah. To answer the question of some of you fans out there, I was as creeped out looking at that as you were. So <laughs> it's like, is that me? I don't. I guess so. But I do owe this to Paul Wagner, I think. And I, I also knew Carol Potter. I had worked with her in a show 
really early in my career, today's FBI, and um, she had been in a play with my wife, and so I knew Carol Potter pretty well. In fact, she gave one of our baby showers, and so it was a delight to do one scene with her in, in the five episodes as well. Well, I thought it was really, I thought it was really interesting, Alan, that, that Chip references the most, you know, the powerful moment for, for you seeing it on the five episodes was that first episode, um, The Sweat Lodge. Now, you wrote that one, Chip, and, and it really, I really feel that you, Alan, and I hope you can hear this, you know, you really took command at that point, you, the dramatic pauses. It reminded me, this is, this, I don't mean cheap in the scene, it, 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 I don't know if Larry or Chip ever had the misfortune of having a meeting with Don Omeyer, but it was kind of like that. You know, the, the dramatic pause. We're making television. But Alan, can you was, it okay? was so powerful. And I thought you really used the, in that first episode particularly, really used the chair to mm. show your confidence and the power that you had in the exploration. It was it was very, very compelling. And it would suck someone in. You could see, as, as Larry said, why Kelly would... Uh, well, you know, I I looked at my guy. I looked at the guy, and I was thinking, "Well, what what attracted anybody to this guy? Because he was such a creep." But, um, but yeah, I guess um, you know that it's the the magnetism of a character, and I think actually, I want to say, I think you guys missed the boat when you didn't later in the series that year um, have not me coming back, but maybe they were watching TV and they realized that all the new evolution folks had just extinguished themselves, you know? <laughs> you know oh, yeah, well, we, I we missed a mass suicide. You're right. Absolutely. And I, I, we didn't have I that, no, I didn't do that many me. after, but Larry, you should have done it. Yeah, we should have done that. that. Body that was a, count. Count. Body count. That's a sweet, sweet episode, you know? How many people are going to die? You know, because I was saying about the FDR process, the Roosevelt process, there were a couple of other processes that we didn't like so much. One was defanging and one was declawing. I, they were distinct somehow. I can't remember why. But that would that would either one of those concepts I think would make uh, a mass mass suicide like not something we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, we were. I used to, you know, that we were. Well, uh, I, I Walsh so, used I mean, to say that was our series, which is I'm a PG kind of guy. We, right. This was Chip is absolutely right. This was network television sponsored. Um, <laughs> the parody but, uh, show I mean, though would have. I agree. We are installing it was fashion, fashion, emotion, bonding, fun. Those were the four things. Fashion, emotion, bonding, fun. Interesting, yeah. So, Chuck, when you you say before you handed this off to these two two guys to kind of create this world um, for Chip and Larry, um, what what are you guys thinking of when you're first presented this? And uh, you didn't know that you had Alan, or uh, you were just creating Finley. Uh, where where does it start, Chip? Let's start with you. Where does this sort of all kind of start for you guys? Well, I think I was suggesting before I have only the vaguest recollection of like coming up with some of this terminology and stuff, I guess. Maybe Larry Larry remembers more. I mean, it was really about um, going to be about the relationship with Kelly, who was coming out of, you know, the six episode arc that involved this crazy house with Steve and her getting burned and this friendship she'd made with this girl and playing her forward in a way. So it was really that was honestly the starting point. It was how she was going to go into that. And what about you? Do you remember well, this? I was going to say, um, you know, part of it was we really had, you know, Brandon Dillon. And so 
this was the whole idea. We were going to, they, they've been so estranged and we start them, start and get back together and the sweating it out, this stuff, which is, is really a lot of fun. And then they're the ones who have to rescue her. So, I mean, that gave us all this great stuff we could, uh, we could do. I mean, those scenes between the guys, I mean, both fighting for the girl and having to save her. And then, and then of course, Finley, you know, I mean, he's, he's involved in the relationships. He's having a breakup with Brandon and mm. then go to Kel and go to Dylan. I mean, that stuff is, the plotting of this stuff over the episodes was very good I, you and, know, and uh, it, compelling. I think so. And, and, you know, it's very interesting because the two episodes that stand out are, to me, are the sweating and, 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 um, the storm, the, 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 the first. Yeah, the I haven't seen that one. And, oh, and that one good. of the things is when you think of a scene, important, I don't know if Chip or Larry would agree with me on this. The, the most important thing to, to do is how you get in it and how you get out of it and everything in the middle. Okay. You're dealing with whatever you're dealing with. And sometimes the story arc is like that too. You know, how you get in, how you get out. Because those last two episodes, particularly in fans, we hadn't seen it in a while. Stormy weather. I, it was, must've been the darkest days in LA. We were filming that. Oh, that was God. actually, that was actually storming then, right? Wasn't there? Uh, yes, it was. I believe it was. It was very eerie. Didn't it get rewritten the last second to make all these references to rain? No, no, no. That was no, all we had always done, you know, again, we had done, you know, we had done all the different weather, Santa, Santa Ana wind, you know, so no, it was a story. It was going to be that kind of show. So there's a lot of fake rain in there, too. I'm, I'm not so sure of all the rain. So it's all fake, because I remember one, I thought, anyway, where there was a bunch of rewriting done at the last sec then second to, like, because everything was suddenly no, raining. This okay. was always that, but, I mean, this one, I, you know, seeing the end of it, you know that whole scene where she tells uh, Finley off and walks out. I mean, that's that's really was cinematic. I mean, I was very impressed with Bethany Rooney who directed this episode. Uh, the and, whole, uh, you know, I wasn't a fan of hers two seasons earlier because she did this very sitcommy stuff. Like, and in Stormy Weather, she was so good. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Well, um, what she called you just for, to quote and, and give do as do that uh, Kelly said Alan uh, Professor Finley was a hypocrite. A con artist and a pimp. Yes, and enlightenment doesn't come cheap. Is what he says to her in response. Enlightenment doesn't come cheap. And neither do I, says Kelly. Yeah. Alan, are you able to hear us? If not, you're really missing a wonderful. Yeah, yeah really missing great. a good show. A really well, good show. Yeah. Let's talk about the terminology because I think that's I think that's ah. <laughs> some of the, the the most interesting stuff here. Larry, you said you wrote a I, I made a list. I wish I, these are the words that, that kind of stuck out to me. Limitor. Okay. Uh, negator, which is great. Now, that was definitely Chip. Chip, I remember Negator was right out of your Limitor mouth. Limitor sounds was right out of your mouth. Yeah. We were, we were goofing. Limitor sounds like some kind of prescription good. drug, the way you're saying it there. Limitor. <laughs> Limitor. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, really uh, good for you. Then we had uh, Filter Out, the Rumination Room. I mean, the one that really got me today was maletting. Oh, I, I believe it. I believe it was mine. I believe it was mine. That's very funny, I think. Yeah, that's it was. Right. It was the millennial wedding. I mean, that scene where the old person. It, I mean, really, we did lose it on this thing, Chuck. I mean, thank you. <laughs> this, this was really sick. I have to say, we packed so much into that cult and to make that last episode work. I mean, then the <laughs> other guy shows the picture of himself. Oh my god. <laughs> I know, and the what thing is, all those old guy. people are younger than me now. You know, it's yeah, <laughs> what, how did that happen? I don't know. 
Other, <laughs> other words which were good were rough beast. Anyone who was bad was a rough beast. Undeve unevolved great. rough beast. Yeah. Unevolved. Unevolved. unevolved processing. Uh, clear, which we stole from Scientology, I guess. Social transformation. Uh, uh, just uh, great. You do yeah. get a little tired of hearing where, about the evolution after five episodes. It's like, okay, okay. Where did we Milletting come from? Uh, you know, Millennial Wedding. Where did that it, was come just, from? You know, it was just goofing. It was just for goofing. I, I must have been stoned with probably Chuck. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that one I had a hard time. I had a hard time saying that line. <laughs> All the rest of it was like, okay, yeah, that that's like, you know, but Millenning, I was like. Millenning? I have a question. I have Go a question ahead. for Chip because I know. It, it, in the in the sweat lodge, sweating it out. You know how much research you did for that. How much research you did as a writer. When we did the sci-fi one, you did that. So did you do research into cults or Scientology to to set the mood here? Well, can I actually answer a yeah. different question because you brought up the sweat? Yeah, it wasn't important because I, I was dying to hear. I was dying to hear if um, if you remember this as well that we we carefully researched the sweat lodge thing, right? And then oh, do I remember it? brought all these Indian uh, Native American actors in, and we had the strangest experience in the room, as I remember, because they would come in, do their thing, and you would go, oh, thank you, that was great. And they would go like, no, 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 don't hire me, hire the man out there. And they would point to somebody down the hall and say, that is the guy, explain why he was the ideal actor to do it. You never see actors behave like this, it was insane. And then we finally cast him, and then every, didn't everybody sue us or threaten to sue us? A key word is yes. But yeah, who came after us because we cast a man who was uh, Cheyenne. Oh, Not so it was the Sioux. I was trying to remember the details of that. I just remember it was so. And weird. your research was done with the Chumash. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, and we, and we both uh, went up. And you were, you lived up in um, Mount Washington at the time, so you weren't too far from the Southwest Museum. Yeah, so we could go and check that out, see what all the stuff looked like. But yeah, so that was, and then as I remember, it turned on kind of a technicality, like it was okay because it wasn't technically an actual sweat lodge ceremony. It was somehow a recreation. So it was okay to film that. Actually, and a donation to the organization helped too. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, so Always the donation. Yeah. So do you remember any of this, uh, any of the specifics? I mean, we said millenni, millenni what is it? Millenning? Millenning. Millenning. Um, ceremony. And then she says she tells she tells Brandon not to get reflective on her, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think my wife has used it on me at once or twice. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, this is such such good stuff. Alan, when you get the lines for this, I hope you can hear me. What are, what are your thoughts when you're reading some of this uh, some of this language yes. and whatnot? Well. Um, you do. You just try to believe the character, be the character, and so, you know, I wasn't trying to be. I don't. I don't try to criticize the characters or to look at them um, subjectively. Well, I, it is subjective. It's like that's me, and so when I get a, a script like that, it's not like I analyze who this guy is so much as as who I am, and. So I try to find things within me that will bring this character to life. And with regard to the whole cult thing and did we do research and so forth, just living in California, you do research on cults because at that time and before, they were happening all the time. And some of them were quite dangerous and, and deadly cults. I, I lived up in Oakland and had many friends who 
um, who lost relatives to the Jim Jones thing. And um, so, and that went before they went down to South America, a lot of those folks were really active political, uh, you know, the Glide, the Glide, the the Glide and Memorial they, and they Church. All, all went down to, yeah. And, and then they all went down to this, you know, utopian getaway. And next thing we know, there's some controversies about it. And here comes a congressman and then everyone's dead, including mm. the congressman. And so, you know, to, to know that and then to see it wasn't that long ago that the um, whole branch uh, Davidian thing was happening. And um, so and that guy was a very messianic kind of um you know, actually, I, I think I I looked a little bit at his character, um, you know, but but the whole thing about the Charlie Manson, how you look at Charlie Manson and you go, there's the epitome of evil. But to those people in that group, they thought he was next to God, you know, so there was something. So I tried to be as, you know, sincere and, and heartfelt as, as I possibly could and take the lines and make them. You know, I tried not to be cynical, even though it does come across that way. Um, but I tried to to really believe that this here was a guy who was being put upon unjustly, unfairly, and I and I wanted help from these people. So the the scene that when um, he loses his tenureship and comes out and the whole crowd kids are there, I mean, I really wanted to do the jesus thing with my arms outstretched and you know you know my my people my my lambs my little my little fishes you know my and and i was really taken up in the moment that i really didn't you know i just believed these were wonderful people and they were my saviors and and i was going to come out of this only because of these people um and so it was really trying to just take the lines and not analyze them too much but but really deeply feel who that person is and, and try to make that person come alive. And I swear, I really didn't try to be as mean and nasty as I came across, but boy, did I ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, fantastic. You know, I think at the same, at the same time, wasn't, wasn't that other show? I don't even remember the name of it, but the similar one, um, didn't they? They stole our idea. They had a cult leader on their show at the same time. And I, um, and I, that person was by the really bell, told this Melrose, 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 right oh, after well, us, Chuck. Was yeah, literally yeah. a month and a half later. It was so terrible. We were yeah, so true. mad. You know, I you know I what I, that. Alan, you know what I liked, um, I thought was really interesting. And of course, it was embedded into it, you know, the writing, but how you interpreted how it was direct, all of it was when when Brandon goes to talk to you the first time and you hear one phrase that tips you off and, and it puts you, you went to zero to 60 like that. And it said, and as an audience member looking at it today, getting a second look or uh, thinking to myself, boy, this guy is such a parent or this guy is Trump Trumpy and this guy is just ready to pounce, you know, almost like this because what are you hiding? I mean, that's, you know, you don't react the way you reacted in the way you reacted unless so, you know, something's there. At least, at least that's how it came across to me, and I really enjoyed that that moment. Do you remember that scene with Jason? Um, I missed about. Yeah, I do. Um, the scene was uh, Jason infers that uh, about the trouble that he had before, and he right away goes, "Some you talk to somebody about that." You know, he yeah. kind of steps right at right. Jason. Just like, Alan, you know, do you remember that? Goes, do you remember that scene with Jason? Yes, um, that was where um, I turn on him. 
after he comes yes. in and yeah, I, call, I accuse him of lying, which he was. Um, and, you know, and at that point, I think, you know, you needed to see, and also the, the subsequent dialogue in the script was he went off on me. So I wanted to probably do it a little more subtly, but, um, but I was encouraged to actually go off by, by the director and then by the subsequent scene where uh, Brandon says, oh, well, he just went completely berserk on me. So I had to, I had to make it um, a lot more forceful than maybe I as an actor would have chosen. But on the other hand, it gave, it really right from the beginning gave people to this, the devil, the evil side of this character and as sincere as he may be trying to come off, he was—he had a, a very mean, nasty, and dangerous side to him. Um, and so the the manipulation there was not so much uh, psychological as it was just uh, over the top kind of, you know, get out of my office, get out of here, you're you're, you know, I have nothing to say to you. And it, it was not like you know. Oh, what are you talking about? Oh no! How could you possibly believe that about me? This was more direct, like man to man, f you, and move away um, before I hurt you. <laughs> so. Yeah. And and what about working with Jenny? While we have you, you know, talking to you, do you remember doing the stuff with Jenny? And what was she like to work with? She's not watching, is she? I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, she's a regular watcher. She she's actually a groupie for Chip. I, I that's why I'm getting too far. I know fanzine stuff. I'm sorry. Okay. One of the fans asked if I got along with the cast members, and and I did mostly. Um, but you know, Jenny, who I did most of my scenes with, um, well. There was this was right around Christmas. We were shooting around the Christmas, and there was a break in between, and we came back and shot the final couple of scenes or, or episodes. And there was a lot of discussion at the makeup mirror and waiting off stage where we were both next to each other about this wonderful Christmas party that she was throwing with all the top drawer liquors and all the best catering. And, and that conversation happened repeatedly. And I'm just like sitting there thinking, well, sooner or later, she's probably going to say, hey, you want to come? Never happened. So um, I felt a little alienated with that and um, it wasn't it wasn't so much not being invited to the party but to have it discussed day after day after day everybody <laughs> over it's like oh you're coming oh good it's gonna be the best party and blah 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 and and i'm thinking well okay i guess i am chopped liver here um so that, yeah and i haven't seen her before or since and i'm sure she's a lovely person but i just was kind of put off by that and so um in a way, maybe that helped my character because I yes, revenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might I might have taken a little bit of that feeling on camera. I have to admit that. Um, and so, you know, but that's that's a good thing because uh, that's where we wanted to go with this. And it wasn't it wasn't so much that even though the character says, "Well, I haven't had a sexual relationship or physical relationship with her yet." Um, you know, but uh, there was there was certainly a, ma a malevolence that he felt towards her as well, even though she wasn't necessarily 
aware of it or mm. whatever. But you, I definitely was thinking this guy has got to hate everybody who likes him because he hates himself so much. And if he, if he, you know, he may, his, all of this is a defense mechanism. You know, it's a coping mechanism that he's, he so hates himself or his own situation or whatever that he then tries to, um, you know, control everybody around that hatred, that self-hatred. Mm. And uh, it, it was, it was a, it was a fairly complex character. But so everything fed into it, I suppose, including not being invited to Jenny Garth's party. That's what kind of actress she was. She did that purposely. So you'd be in character. Yeah, pissed <laughs> off. Yeah. 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 Somebody, and Chip and Larry and I, we would I go no to her doubt. parties all the time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> How was the yeah, party? Jenny, a weekend without a Jenny party was what was it? You know? Chuck, was it? Did he miss but I did part? want to say something about acting because that's what you're, all, you know, you're all talking uh, about. Not, not, the, not the eggnog that was served on the Christmas party. But, um, you know, I really liked, and, and did you guys see this too? There were sometimes like when, when the, in those two-person scenes where, where Kelly and Dylan would look at each other and you, I couldn't know what they were thinking. Their eyes, I mean, you could see they, you know, they would, am I supposed to touch? Am I supposed to do this? They're the confusion that they were yeah. in in this moment by the cult stuff coming through. Did you, did that make yeah. any impression on anybody or, or? You know, two things for me on this, like one is I just miss Luke so much, you know, like I, I was. Oh, I felt that too. I, I wasn't like I, that in touch with him, but a little bit, we'd get together a couple of times a year and usually talk about some project he was doing or something. I happened to see him shortly before he died. And then you see this and he was like, such a lovely, charming, wonderful human being, you know? So you just, this series, like you just miss him. And then on the, on the Jenny side, which I'm gonna call, but now the Kelly Taylor side, right? I feel like one thing I personally did at 90210, and this is because of my wife who had blonde hair and felt that blondes just are dissed and dissed and dissed and dissed because of their hair. Like I said, you know, push, push, push to make, make her more of a person in a way. And you were doing this anyway, but I'm just saying I, I definitely got into that with Kelly Taylor. When you think about where she is in this string of episodes compared to where she started, you know, if you went, if you heard how they dubbed her into other languages in the first season, she sounded like a cartoon, you know, she was this ridiculous blonde bimbo. And now here's somebody who's like trying to find some meaning in her life, getting some pushback from people around her. Dylan responds to that and, and it's a Bruce actually, but he also does respond like he's, he wants her to do this. And unfortunately it doesn't work out well for her because the people who are taking her seriously turn out to be some scumbags. But I just feel like that's such a, Distance she has traveled, you know that character. By the time you well, we all you really like putting words in Kel in in Kelly Jenny's mouth. I, I remember just because her, my her wife Virginia, fans, you know, first fans of the show. I know will not remember if they go back and look at the episode um, Senior Pole, where she and we we you take them to the swings, Dylan and Kelly in that yeah. moment, and just to find them something that that shape them for the rest of the you know their college years for sure yeah i, I love those two actually yeah and i and i mean I, I you just like you said chuck i also noted that that the the power you know i know we have a lot of brenda dylan fans and i love that and respect that too but when you see kelly and dylan in these scenes together there is so much beauty in the words and in the way they perform with each other. So I think that's, uh, and it's almost like uh, at some point that Dylan's the only person that she can trust in this 
in this scenario at one point, you know what I mean? Like she trusts him so much that she that she's so happy that she he loves Professor Finley and wants to talk to Professor Finley, but it's all sort of, you know, uh, being done to help her. Hey, Lily, do you have some questions? <laughs> I do. Cool. I'll start with one for Alan. Okay. Um, so several of the group members want to know, you told us a little bit about when you were first recognized at the university by students for being on 90210. But was there ever a time that you encountered a fan that didn't quite seem to separate your character from you as an actor? Because it has happened to other actors on the show and met you with some type of animosity because of the character? That I would encounter animosity? Yeah, from the character um, that you played. Well, from a fan. I, I, not so much from this show. Um, it was more, I mean, when people recognize anybody from 90210, they, if they were fans, they would just be beside themselves screaming with like, oh my God. Um, and there was one time I was, after I graduated, I was working for a home care workers union and, um, and we went, we were at the board of supervisors meeting, trying to get the supervisors to make it possible for home care workers to unionize. And we had a break. So we went across the way to the. The and long break. <laughs> and that's that. So that, that, that happened. Um, uh, I was you so. Know, I want to just change it up here one second. You know, what was really cool for me. And it, it's just, and, and it's a good uh, 902.0 story, I think is, okay, so this episode, this last one, this stormy weather starts and the uh, and it's raining and they go into the peach pit and that's that scene where the Donna and Kelly and Claire are not getting along. Right. And on the jukebox, on the peach pit track is Hold On by Wilson yeah. Phillips. Wilson, and when yeah. we went to the mixing stage and I put that, I said, we're doing this one is what we're doing. Wasserman went, you can't use that. You know, we only can use oldies. <laughs> Why? And we're writing it right now, you know, and it really does play for that. You know, where's the sisterhood? You know, come on, hold on. And yes. Like well, yeah, I, mean, you know, I mean, now it's become such a big hit with bridesmaids. It was, you know. Exactly. exactly. But it, it was it was really one, you know, when I started the show, it was the only song that I, I of the era that I knew and liked. And went, oh, I like that song. And we've got, you know, to use it a little. Hey, Chuck, can I ask you a question from these episodes? It's not specifically about the new evolution, but I was flashing back to something in, involving getting Dylan's money back. Because as I remember, there were all these squabbles about how much money he should have lost. And it turned out to be $8 million. And Luke thought that was like ridiculous. Dollars. He thought it should be, I think, at least tens of millions and stuff. And it just what he the figure he wanted at the time just sounded like crazy, you know. But now, like a hundred, yeah, with a billionaire, it's like oh, dollars. <laughs> we're gonna do a deep dive into that. Yeah, and I mean, so well, you know, oh, yeah, no. thing about that, we gotta find oh. Wings Hauser. We gotta get Wings Hauser. Yeah. It, it, well, to what okay. Chip was saying, right. it does come up a lot in the group. Several people are not clear as to exactly how much money Dylan lost and got back. So that's well, gonna you be know a good why? One to talk about. You know why? I'll tell you why. I, I, it's it's just great. If you know why, it would limit the amount. We never we never said the amount because who needed to know the amount? It's like 
I learned this in, in uh, it's, it's kind of a trick in the stuff. Whenever somebody wants to quote a number, like how much is this going to cost me? My instinct, Chip, I don't, you probably have used this multiple times. Someone writes down a, a piece of paper and puts it in front of them, like a, like a mob kind of thing. Like this is the record. I'm not going to let the, the people who are bugging me know the number. So it, well, the you know, I was I, I actually is, is that in Larry's episode, they actually came, they actually say a number, right? Yes. They could have spent right. a lot of money. I mean, I mean, uh, the, the, you know, the two scoundrels could have spent a lot of money. You know, they've been living right. high on the yeah. yeah. And, and the other is you that Jack McKay arguments. squandered his fortune too. Jack McKay squandered his fortune. You know, yeah. even before. Uh, All right. So, well, what other questions you got? For, do you have any questions for these guys? I know Alan is having. I do. A so for the writers, um, yeah. for the writers. Uh, which character besides Kelly do you think would be most likely to fall into a cult following? Okay. Well, there's an obvious one there, right? Months. I'm thinking Donna. Months. Donna, yeah. Months. <laughs> yeah, Donna. The virgin cult. The virgin yeah. cult, sure. Okay, well, one more you, you put her in that the, cult. It was called Cotillion. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The actor played off. Chuck, I remember the writing something where she was the, it was the cult of the last virgin. Kelly was doing this riff about it, where she was saying people will. It was maybe after um, Field of Dreams, like people will drive in from miles around to see the last virgin. <laughs> and so we, and then you took it out. <laughs> uh, I think it was a good idea. I think that was a that was like a Mr. Spelling won't like this. <laughs> Lily, what you got? So Alicia Bogner uh, has a question about the actor who played the originally Finley follower, the one that talked to Kelly at the end, uh, Greg Jared. She said yeah. this actor did such a great job when talking to Kelly. How was he cast and was that a difficult part to cast? I'm, you know, I, I, he just came in, you know, and, and, and to this thing where he just he got the part, room. you know. <laughs> Yeah, and he walked into the room and got the part. I mean, I, I don't remember anything specific, but I just remember thinking that we should have been tighter on the uh, suicide the lines on his arms. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, in the end, he shows her, you know, yeah. his, his, where he's yeah. cut his arms, and I always kind of thought that should have been a little bit clearer. But, other than that, I like him very much. I mean, when he shows the picture of himself marrying the old lady, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's hilarious. What's that shit? I'm just saying you have a thing about show the scars, show the scars. I remember it was like when the guy came over from the other, from the Philippines or wherever it was too. It's like, you got to show. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. The hate yeah. is a four letter word. Yeah. 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 But no, I thought that, you know, for us to be able to get Kelly to turn so quickly, you know, they're, you know, Brandon's waiting outside and then, and with Dylan and then she comes out and, you know, and you believe it. I mean, that was pretty, a uh, pretty good trick that we could, it seems like there's so much in these episodes. I couldn't believe the last one. It seemed like it was like a two hour episode. Yeah, oh, I mean, there's so much plot in it. There's so much incident. Just for clarity, too, on the rain thing. So we had two things that were said about the rain. The rain was written in, or the rain was not yes. written. The rain no, was the rain was the rain was written in. I'll tell you why. Otherwise, it's definitely written in because we have the whole run with a uh, uh, Dean Arnold, where his, his whole office is falling apart because of the rain. It was, you know, in LA but, we have a rainy but, season. That's all I'm saying is when they went out to do the exterior shots, those were those cold, yeah. wet. Day those cold wet days Christmas? that we can get, and um, and it was, and so that there wasn't much light, and and Rick Gunther, you know, he always wanted to move quickly, so he never put up any lights, and we yeah. just went, and I and I liked the mood of it. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lily, what else you got? So in one scene, Finley tells Kelly that she and Dylan are soulmates. And this is from Val Marin. And then a few episodes later, he goes through hypnosis and, you know, it's, it's said that they are soulmates. I noticed. Um, Val wants to know, was Finley's statement, was he trying to set that, was that something that you wrote in there to set that possibility in motion? Or was it just said by Finley so that he can... So that he can have Dylan sponsor oh, the new center. Lily, Lily, who asked this question? Val Marin. Val, Val, there are no coincidences in 90210. <laughs> it, it was placed. And interestingly enough, years late, a couple of years after I left 90210, two seasons actually, I, I did a big, big expensive pilot for uh, Fox. Didn't get on the air, but its title was soulmates so ah, i wow. also this this notion had been with me uh with and and uh and i always thought it was interesting to uh go back and forth and and also to when someone's under hypnosis um uh, you know admit to a murder which i think i saw in an old defenders in the 1950s <laughs> and stuck with me I'm curious for Chip and Larry, you know, when you guys, uh, Alan is having problems, so I, we lost him, but uh, you wrote all this amazing stuff for Finley, and then you see Alan deliver this stuff. I mean, what are you guys thinking when you see it come across the way it comes across? Because I think Alan, it's, a, it's an understatement to say how amazing he is in these episodes, right? You know, I was just going to say, I think we were kind of saying they're going to let a disabled guy play a villain. This is okay, because we think it's great. But I, I kept thinking someone's going to come down on this. And the truth is, I think we got honored with a uh, an award. Alan, didn't we get an award for this? You got, I remember we went to an awards ceremony, which Paul or Paul was maybe Paul was honored with the award. Um, Can you hear yeah, me? No, it was forget. the Media Access Awards. Oh, yes. The, yeah. And um, yeah, Paul got an award for, I guess, for the casting and and. Maybe the character. He might have gotten an award for you, Larry, and for Chip, and for Char Chuck, and he might have taken your award for writing the character. <laughs> I think, we, you know, I mean, once we knew it, and we were talking, Alan, about, you know, your performance and what we thought, you know, after you were cast, and uh, and seeing the dailies and stuff, and uh, yeah, it was working. I mean, because it was, uh, you know, it was just really out-of-the-box casting. It was not what you expect and so i think paul was so right to, to ask us to do this and uh um because yeah it was not the first time listen he, he yeah, deserved yeah, all yeah, the yeah. work in our in our um if chip would remember possibly in the summer episodes we did an art with a deaf boy a little boy in the yeah, yeah. Beverly Hills beach club that was all paul and in mm -hmm. the fourth season when we were doing the notion of a uh did one with a piano player who was blind, blind. Yeah. and we actually the award that that Paul got Alan with with the episode actually we won the award for that episode as well uh, with the with the blind piano player until they found out that the actress was not blind and they took a credit. Oh, oh, there you go. Um, Chip, what did you think about seeing Alan's performances in this when you would see it play back? Well, I agree with Alan, actually, that it comes across as oddly kind of creepy and, you know, strangely um, malevolent almost. But it also plays that he has this real interest in Kelly Taylor, you know, which I think is, you know, maybe 
Maybe it seems more severe than he had intended, but that part I think works well. So we're constantly worried about her, honestly. Yeah. Um, when he puts his hand on her, that is so great. I mean, just go, oh, you just yeah. get blood's curdling in that moment. Yes. Um, Alan, can you hear us all now? Uh, it's better, but uh, you know, my, my computer might crash at any moment. It says it's at 1%, and I've got it plugged in. So who knows? So this is, I so apologize for the technical stuff here. Uh, Do you got another one for Alan while he's, uh, while he's actually they, the, the viewers want Alan to finish his story. Uh, back from the first question, he started well, telling us, okay, well, well, if my computer doesn't shut me off, um, so anyway, we're we're there, and this whole busload of Japanese women tourists show up, and one of them saw me and started screaming. And next thing I knew, there were thirty or thirty-five beautiful young Japanese women screaming. All of them insisting upon photographs, sitting on my lap, photographs together, you know, fake kisses, the peace sign that they always like to do, etc. And when they all got done. My colleague looked at me and said, I have never, ever seen anything like that in my life. I am there. I have complete respect for you now. I said, why? I said, because really no one, I've never seen a group of women treat a person like that en masse. And, and I said, well, you know, it's 90210, you know, that's, that's a whole thing, you know, like that those fans are serious and they're all over the world. And this was about a year or two after the after the episodes aired, um, mm. but yeah, it was it was pretty it was a meaningful thing. I think the only other piece that I ever did uh, that I got really a lot of comments and feedback on about how nasty I was was when I killed my wife on Matlock, and uh, little old ladies in the park were constantly reprimanding me and telling me what a horrible person I was. Um, and so it was more fun having beautiful young uh, high school and college age girls come up to me and tell me how horrible I was than having lots of. Nope. And there we go. And that's that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely, what else you got Lily for, for everybody else? Well, I, this question was actually supposed to be directed for Alan, but I guess I can ask you gentlemen as well. Um, so if you were Kelly, do you think that you would have fallen for Finley's psychobabble and gotten sucked into the new evolution? If you were Brandon and his and your girlfriend had gotten sucked in, would you have gone to the lengths that Brendan did to expose Finley and get her out of it? Personally, are you asking these guys personally this question? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I kind of did that. My wife was in a cult of a law firm in Century City, <laughs> and then she got pregnant and she left. So I got her out of there. So I, I, I yes, I went to that way. <laughs> um, that's probably definitely an Alan question, but uh, yeah, that uh, was from Val. But for you guys, uh, writing that, playing with the Brandon Dylan, because there's another little the, the triangle that's sort of happening. We had the triangle with Brenda Kelly, uh, Dylan from way back, right? And now we have like a new triangle involving. Uh, Kelly, right where it's Brandon, Kelly, and Dylan. Sorry, <laughs> I just get all my characters straight there. Uh, you know, so I mean, is that another interesting triangle to play with for you guys? I mean, we have in the sweating it out thing, we definitely have that stuff with Dylan and Brandon, and and there's all this tension between the two of them, and they're almost at odds, so they're not with each other, so they're not even focused sort of on what's happening with Kelly 
uh, getting sort of sucked into this Finley stuff. How important was some of that? Well, you know, Larry, you want to go? Chip. You know, I'm, I'm just saying that that was, you know, I mean, that, that's the good stuff. I remember we, we had a little bit of trouble getting the right kind of animosity between them, which turns out to have a lot to do with Kelly, right? But that whole business that came in in a final rewrite, because I, I remember Chuck and, and me doing this, was the thing where he's, where the one guy, and I think this is a Steve Wasserman idea, honestly, um, which is we couldn't quite figure out how to, how to like articulate this relationship between them. So it was like one guy's going to supervise the other. And that will, right. oh yeah, that will give them a mechanism to do this. So then it became, you know, make make the whole beautiful and all this kind of stuff. But it was it was a little hard, I think, to pin, yeah, the do do do, because it was a little hard to, or got a little, as we'd say, eggy to just have them talk about all their, you know, issues with each other, and that, and and right. so it was like, it was. I, th I remember that one being difficult, and then it, it ended up having a life of its own. Once it, once it was like that he was going to be supervising it, I would say that in terms of writing, too, on that episode, this was one where they ad-libbed a lot. The two guys did, and a lot of it was very successful. A lot of that, you know, especially as they're heading back to civilization and stuff, they they were they were doing a lot of that stuff. They were, oh, absolutely, they, yeah. You know, one thing I was thinking we should always mention is the waitress was the wife of the owner of Blockbuster, Wayne Heisinga. Oh, no way. We, we were told to cast him. <laughs> That's the only reason we had the waitress in there about the they, Blockbuster had botched Spelling Entertainment at that oh, point. That's right. I forgotten that. We were owned, we were, prior to that, Spelling Entertainment was owned by a banana company. You know, I, I was going to say, uh, Chippy, I think Jason did a really good job in the sweating it out because, you know, he, of course, that's why he was improvising so much, I think, because he really was also directing it. And uh, yeah. those guys have, uh, you know, both of them really did a lot of improv. And I'm, I'm noticing all improv lines as we look at all the shows and it really uh it, it's pretty cool some of the stuff they've been doing they also freewheeled in the bikes bikes also if you notice they take off and it's really them which was yeah, kind yeah. of brave of oh, well, them to do that they both rode bikes you know yeah and jason you know we it, it's just jason was really good at ad-libbing iron was really good at ad-libbing really? yeah, but luke was tried a lot, but he was most comfortable when he did it with Jay. They were they yeah. had the best on it because Jason was really he could have been an improv actor, quite frankly. He, he but you know way. the whole the whole triangle thing though. You know when you look those, those scenes really played. I I have to say because I mean people the the two guys really you felt that they really wanted this girl. I mean so that the whole plotting of the thing where they do it together to rescue her. I just, I was really, I had forgotten it all, frankly, how intricate it was. And uh, it was very satisfying, like I said, when we see her walk out and blow Finley away and the two guys are there and she goes with Jason and it's yeah, good. Yeah. The, music, the music is good there too. Did they change that music at the end? There's some kind of a song playing, Chuck. Did you recognize it? At the end when, Je I, when uh, Kelly walks out? I thought it was just, I thought it was underscore. Just underscore. There's no lyrics. I thought yeah. That, yeah. But, yeah, but, but it, I it did, really it was satisfying. interesting because, because she stays with, with um, Brandon at the car, but as Dylan walks to the camera and walks away, I kind of felt her, even though she didn't make an expression, I kind of felt her heart going with him as he was walking away. I felt that. Bit. Just the way it was staged. Again, as Chip talks about, you know, but, but you know, I would go back to the first season with Bethany, and we will when she comes on the show, because you're, you're going off of Rainy Day, right? I mean, that was the most... Um, Comedic of even though there was a uh, well, that's about Beth. We'll, we'll save yeah, that for we'll another day, for another for another time. But Ooh. she's a really good director, and 
I'm so glad. To, she used to used to be my script typist. Well, back oh, before, wow. long before. Yeah. Uh, maybe talk Tell about me, what that. other uh, what other um, questions do you have for these guys? So I'll give you one more. Lori okay. Lori Ebersol wants to know. Brandon and Dylan go through lengths to rescue Kelly, but where was Steve? He always loved her, and he was always always very protective of her. Um, how come that? How come Steve never stepped in or really had no involvement? And Alicia Bogner adds, "Was the triangle set up so that the so that Kelly would have to?" choose between Brandon and Dylan during the season finale. Okay. No coincidences again. No coincidences. <laughs> yes, and, yes. And, but the Steve thing, I don't know. I mean, uh, probably. You know, there's only so uh, much oxygen in the room. And I noticed yeah. during this whole arc, you know, he had a lot to do with the fire and the trial after the fire. And his and a father. Lot of the, so he, his, he softened up a little bit. His, his, I noticed on screen, he didn't have as much to do in this arc. You know, he had the Jake. You know the Jamie Walter. You had you had uh, Gabriella Andrea going on. Yeah, so fair. you know, there's only so much oxygen in the room when there's when you have so many storylines going. So he yeah. was uh, not in the forefront during these. Definitely. Um, listen, guys, I think this is some of the some of the best stuff that uh, we got to see on nine hundred two and zero. I mean, it, and a lot of it has to do with Alan, right? And uh, and and the incredible writing and the work. Um, is there any when you look back on this chip all these years later? What do you think of the episodes? Uh, do they still hold up? What do you What do you think of them? Well, I gotta say, I think I said this last time, like because I'm coming to these really as an audience for the first time, and they're in a certain way so much better than I remember. Like you see, you see all the flaws and the things that didn't quite work out when you, or for me anyway, when I see them, when we're, when we're doing it, except maybe on the mixing stage, you know, where it's big and like a movie, then that's a kind of cool experience. But when you see it on TV, I just sort of see the flaws and I, I just, I love watching it now. And, and it's kind of from what Larry was saying, the amount of story in these things and the way it all works is, is I, I think really well done. I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And how about you, Larry? Um, looking back on this episode, what's your what's your take on, on all of this? Well, it felt sophisticated in, in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, look, because I, I actually want to watching a couple of whole episodes, but just the storyline, like there was just really good. I thought we, we spent a lot of time like, you know, separating Kelly from her friends slowly, the same way cult members really do. And you you saw, I mean, all that manipulation going on and. I thought the sets were good too, and all of a sudden now he bought his. You know, the whole tenure thing that Chuck brought in was really a, a, a great moment there. I do remember Steve Wasserman talking about that scene after uh, he comes out of the tenure meeting where he's gonna he's gonna have to leave the thing. And Steve would call it. And maybe you guys remember the reference because it seemed like it was like something out of a, a Russian the Russian Revolution. He would talk about speaking to my winter soldiers. Does that yeah. ring a bell to you at all? But Steve would keep going. He's like, in fact, the scene with the Winter Soldiers. I never quite know it, but, I, I, but I, it was all right. You know, I think, wasn't that you don't want Winter Soldiers? Yes, because that was a... Oh, they go away. That so was not a, you know, anti-war, you know, anti-war, beyond anti-war. That was a left-wing phrase. So, it, you know, it could have been Lenin. You know, we, yeah, I think it is, is actually... But it also not had something to do with the... The American Revolution, too. Like, we want winter soldiers, not summer something. I think, like, Washington. Right, is summer patriots, yeah. One of the other extremes. Um, you know, for me, looking back uh, at it, the other thing, too, is that in an odd kind of way, we thought it was creepy, this, this. It also was very romantic. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. That people would, you know, were really going to these lengths for the person you care about in this, and the and the the way that Jenny uh, or Kelly, you know, it would just would just be especially the chemistry with with Dylan. I mean, just um, you know, really, uh, what was really interesting and popped off the screen for me uh, a little bit with it, um, and uh, and that's yeah. that's how I I was I was surprised to feel that way. And Brandon always sort of, uh, you know, chats or or confides in uh, Nat, right? And there's some scenes in one of these episodes where uh, Brandon and Nat have this dialogue about Susie French, who jumped, who was, uh, you know, in the cult and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of love how Nat handles this kind of stuff, how Joey Tata, the actor, I guess, it just presents like a cult. You know what I mean? Like he's so, he's so aggressive about it. Uh, do you guys, did you guys write that purposely? Cause we still had at that time, I think we still had the Walsh's were still there. Right. So uh, why does Nat get this, this, this sort of moment? Probably we were shooting in the peach pit and it was just a chance to do double time. And, you know, sometimes scenes you don't want just, just, just do one thing. So you want to have a couple of different story points. No, that was the peach pit. I, I couldn't stand it, it, it's in and then the the aesthetic of procedurals confirm it where where you just do one scene and only one thing happens you know, the next one one no it's but you know conversation in our show was conversational I like to have it go each scene have one two three components to it so as 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 Larry just described talking to Nat and then moving over and talking to someone else or something else happens it gives it more of a natural flow than um, just Static. Plus, uh, you're trying to create pages for the, you know, for the crew to shoot, and you need to have a certain amount of pages in the peach pit that day. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Chip, did you enjoy writing uh, for Joe Itata? I don't know that we spoke we spoke about Nat that much here on the show. I know he's a big big part of it, but do you remember writing specific things for him? And did you enjoy writing for him? I remember one thing, <laughs> like doing one nice thing for him, where the peach pit is going under or something. Are you crying, Chuck? Are you like what? What happened, Chuck? I remember doing one nice thing for him where, like, the peach pit is going under or something, and having this thing where everybody kind of shows up at the end to save him. I think Brandon shows up first, and he's all by himself, and then his pals come in. So it was that was uh, nice, but I, honestly, I think it's kind of like Larry said. He's sort of like he except for him. that one episode, except for the one. With um, the developer and the heart attack in the group scene, the things really That's they were what I'm just talking nobody about. thought about writing for and, and, and this five stuff yeah. just wasn't in the forefront. If it was an episode that he was in the forefront, of course we we would do it and enjoy it. But yeah, I mean Joey Tato was kind of like watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I just wanted to say some, give some love to. It's to felt like you're you're felt like it's going on. Yeah, <laughs> what had happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's really great in this. Okay, guys, uh, look, I think we covered this. I don't even know we lost Lily. We lost a lot of people to Wi-Fi today. <laughs> we should have some drinks. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like lost their minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a good time. I just I had some laughs. You know, uh, we, we should just say I, I forgot how much I like Jed Allen. We should always talk about Jed Allen, who died last year. He was a good actor that uh, played Steve's father, Rush Sanders. He was another yeah. one that we lost. Yeah. yeah, he's phenomenal in some of this as well. Um, and I think you know, I think uh, 
I just really think that Jenny is so great in all of this stuff. And she's really like, I think what you talked about, Chip, a little bit about her sort of, you writing for her, but her also come, getting more of an opportunity to act and show her ability of what she was able to do. I mean, she, the reason why we love this is like, she, we buy, buy how deeply she is into this cult and, 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 uh, and all this stuff, just such a super talented stuff. Guys, I know this is one of our, you know, one of the most requested ones was talking about this cult. And and, and I know that uh, you guys did amazing stuff. But uh, hey, next week, Chuck, you're not going to be here, right? You're going to be, you're going to be away. We kind of talked about that. We're taking a biker trip with Chip. We're, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so Larry and I are planning the run for the roses. Uh, listen, guys, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. And also give us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate you all checking us out. I think we've wrapped this one up. Right, guys? Uh, we'll see you all Thank soon. Thank you. It's good to see you, Chip. It's good to see you, Chuck. It's good to see you, Peter. I miss you all. Bye-bye, everybody. All right.